Michael? Michael, are you there? Hello? I'm kidding. Michael is not here. You are stuck with me by myself. Uh, Dave, that's my name. And this is the Add More Mouse podcast. And, uh, you know, we don't have a really good tagline. Um, we're pretty much, we focus on whatever we feel like uh, when it comes to Disney stuff. Michael and I started this podcast because as we are two dudes who met each other through work and uh, quickly found that uh, the lunches we were having that were supposed to be uh, centered on work were increasingly centered on <laughs> Disney park talk and talking about Disney books we'd read and whatever the newest Disney movie that had come out was. And we decided to start recording ourselves talking about it. And, uh, you know, there are some podcasts out there that are, um, you know, led by influencers and uh, have a lot of clout. We have no clout. This is a cloutless show. But it is a really fun excuse for the two of us to uh, plan out which rabbit holes we're going to fall down. And uh, if you're new to the show, um, we tend to break up our episodes into mini-series. We are about to start a Disney Documentaries mini-series. In the past, we've covered some Disney sequels, some Disney bombs. We've talked about all of the sitcoms in the late 80s and 90s that ended up going to Disney parks. And uh, we pretty much just talk about whatever we think is interesting. And uh, for whatever reason, there are people listen to it. So thank you. Uh, and today I am super excited. I got to talk to one half of my favorite show, uh, the 3028. And if you haven't heard this show, I really do think it's, it's the best Disney podcast out there. Uh, I got to talk to Kevin Quigley today, which I believe this episode today is posting on his birthday. So happy birthday, Kevin. Thank you for coming on the show. And I have now successfully interviewed both sides of the 3028. Uh, a couple episodes back, I had a chance to talk to uh, the other guy on that show, Matthew Parrish, and uh, both just the nicest dudes. And, uh, you know, when you listen to a show like theirs for so long, uh, over 100 episodes, you know, you start to feel like you know these guys, and then you realize right before, <laughs> right before I was going to interview them, I'm like, I've never actually met these guys. But it, it's so easy to fall into a conversation with them because when you listen to the show, I mean, you... That's what you get what you get. Uh, talking to them before the interview started just uh, was like talking to the guys you hear on the show. It was great. Um, Kevin is a fascinating guy. And uh, some of the stuff that we get into, he, he's kind of like me, came late to uh, being interested in Disney stuff. And so I, I'm always interested in how people uh, fall into this. You know, um, there, are the, there are those people who have been going since they were kids and kind of developed an obsession with it early on. And then there are those of us who, for whatever reason, stumbled across it at a weird or, or right time later in life. And you're like, you become obsessed with it. You, you come back from your, a trip to the parks and you have to know everything about how these places operate. And uh, going on, going, finishing up my first decade of being obsessed with this stuff, there's no shortage of things to learn about this really interesting uh, company. And, uh, there are a few things beyond, beyond wanting to know about how Kevin got into this stuff. You know, one of the things that I think is interesting is that the Disney of the Walt Disney era, when the man himself was alive, it was a, such a different organization than it is now. Uh, and a lot of what I love about the Disney company is, is, are the films that came out you know, early on, the history of the early Walt Disney Company, uh, and you know the the early era of the parks, and into you know the '90s. Not that I don't love some Disney stuff now, but it becomes complicated sometimes. Uh, if you are aware of current events and you read the news, Disney is not a small family <laughs> family run organization anymore run by one guy who who started it all it is a giant multinational conglomerate that has gobbled up tv stations and other movie studios and streaming services and all kinds of things and as a result occasionally the company does stuff that is not very applaudable even though they continue to operate the parks and make movies like pixar films that 
continue to really bring me and my family a ton of enjoyment. And, you know, I'm always kind of, I don't want to say conflicted, but sometimes, uh, sometimes torn a bit about enjoying stuff that I love so much from this company while also having to put up with some of the things they do uh, that aren't as savory. And that's some of the stuff I get into with Kevin because I feel like we were coming from the same, the same area in that. I hope that makes some sense. Um, and if you don't care about the rest of the world and you just like Disney stuff, that's fine too. We're not here to shame anybody. Um, so yeah, I'm going to talk to Kevin here in a minute and boy, you know, our previous episode was about Luca. Uh, well, partly about Luca. We talked about that and then we talked about how it fits into, you know, is that it, does it qualify as major Pixar or minor Pixar? And it's, you know, look, it's kind of a tongue in cheek conversation because, uh, who are, who are we to decide what constitutes a major film or a minor film? But it was a fun conversation to have with Michael. And I have to say, at the time of recording the episode, I'd seen Luca once and thought it was fine. Um, and my kids are obsessed with it. And so I don't know that I've seen it all the way through again, but I have seen chunks of it uh, many times now. And it's really starting to get to me in a good way. Um, and so I know on the previous episode, I don't think I was too harsh on it, but I'm coming to really enjoy it. And I'm enjoying the representation of friendship. Um, I know that some people online are, are saying that there's some, uh, subtext about this being possibly a, you know, uh, prepubescent, possibly like a, a homosexual relationship. And I think that's a fine reading of it too. Um, but I think it's, it is a, it's a small scale film, but it's starting to really, uh, it's starting to really stick with me. So I have to, I had to mention that because I, I don't think I was as enthusiastic about it on the last episode. Oh boy. Glad I got that off my chest. Um, and I'm sitting in a new chair right now. My wife brought home a chair. Uh, it's blue. It's got those weird, um, like, things that look like snaps around the seam. I don't know where this chair came from. Um, could it come from a curb? I, I don't know. Uh, it's giving me very good posture, which I think is helping me record right now. So um, thanks. Thanks, wife. So I'm going to switch over to my interview with Kevin Quigley here. And uh, Kevin is such a cool guy. Um, I don't even really know how to do a, a proper intro of him, but uh, one thing you need to know about Kevin, and we, we get into this a bit, is that he is a, a very prolific author. And so uh, I think he's got over 40 novels and novellas and short story collections that he has written. Um, you can find him on Twitter. You can find him on Facebook. Um, his books are available on Amazon. Some are self-published. Some are published by uh, other publishers. So, I mean, he's, he's an inspiration because he, if you follow him on social media, he's got a very full life and he still finds a way to churn out art, which is always inspiring to me as, as a, uh, somebody who, uh, still likes to play music, even though I was never able to make a, uh, livable income off music. It's still something I, I hold dear. And I'm always inspired by people who, um, you know, maybe they have a day job and they have other interests, but they always find time to make, to, to, to make art. And I, th I just, I think that's really interesting. And sometimes I think the art made by people who are not, this is not to disparage Kevin or anybody. Sometimes I think the art made by people who make it out of a desperation to make it out instead of because it's how they pay their bills is oftentimes more interesting. Um, you know, the, they're doing it because they feel compelled to do it and they have to do it. And they have, whether it's music or art or acting or, uh, podcasting, when you're doing something for the love of it, as opposed to it's the reason how that's the way you make your, pay your bills. Uh, I just find it, I find something interesting in that. So go find Kevin's books. I'll post a link to his uh, author page on Amazon in the show notes um, so go check his stuff out and follow him on social media because he is a hilarious and, uh, hilarious guy. And, and he will motivate you to go out and do more stuff with the time you have in your day. I don't know how he squeezes all the things he's interested into one day. And, uh, one more thing that I need to mention, um, 
I have two wonderful dogs, uh, Dolly and Teddy. And uh, most days, uh, being someone who works from home uh, pretty much exclusively these days, they mostly sleep and uh, do nothing throughout the day. Uh, And for some reason, uh, I don't know if they were excited like I was to have Kevin on the show, but uh, they were chasing each other around and on my hardwood floors and uh, barking. And uh, at one point, I went to escape from them onto my back porch, and it promptly started thunderstorming. And then I had to run up two flights of stairs to get away from them. Uh, you might be wondering, you know, shouldn't I have a devoted uh, room to podcasting? Uh, shouldn't I be more professional about how I interview people and not just do it at the kitchen table uh, on my phone? And uh, you would be right. But I'm not going to anytime soon. So uh, if you hear some clanging in the background, um, those are my wonderful rescue dogs uh, chasing each other and making my life difficult. But I've said enough. Here's my interview with Kevin Quigley from the 3028 podcast. Kevin, are you are you here? I am definitely here. Hello. Oh man, I am. I'm so excited about this. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this again, like we haven't talked for five minutes before we started recording. But uh, <laughs> I'm so excited you're on the show. I had Matt on uh, a couple months ago, and it was super fun. And um, as I fell down my own personal Disney rabbit hole, you guys, the 3028 show has been like. One of the first ones I found, um, and just the, probably the one I've stuck with the longest. I, the way you guys do the show, um, the topics you center on. I mean, uh, I there are things you talk about that I, I seriously can't wrap my head around how you get so much information. Like, you did a full <laughs> show on weather veins. Uh, my, my personal favorite was when you did the show on Roasty Toasties, which is something I knew nothing about and then am now completely obsessed by. Well, it's, it's so funny, you know, Matt and I will bring topics up to each other. And, uh, and so with the Rosie Toasties, I was like, Matt, we got to do a show about Rosie Toasties. He's like, what even is that? And I explained, I'm like, you know, the bump corn. And he's like, they, they have names. He's like, I guess we could do a show about it. And then he got as obsessed as I did. It was great. It's, it's so funny because my, my co-host Michael and I, I get to go to the parks maybe like if I'm lucky, uh, maybe every two years or so I got two little kids. And so a super expensive to get them into the parks. And, um, and so when we were trying to figure out how to have a show, we don't go enough. We're like, we, we never have news or breaking news. We don't, we don't have trip reports. And so a lot of times we just sort of like default to like, all right, let's, let's look at movies or books that help you learn more about, you know, Disney or we're like foundational things that you, sh- you, that improve your enjoyment of Disney stuff. If you experience them, because those tend to be the things we have access to <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> right. And so it's, and it's so nice to, when you guys, show is very like experiential and, and you get way down into the weeds, but also you're not selling promotional packages for like vacations and stuff, which is nothing wrong with that. It's just like, you're, you're doing it from a place of like, talking about it and that's like to listen to we um we had talked about like early on uh if we should get like a sponsor or if we should sell if if, if, yeah we should partner with people and it wasn't any like big moral thing we were just like you know what i we want to always do our show our way and really want to read ad copy um and so we we decided that if we were ever going to sell anything it would be from us by us Uh, and direct to people. And so that's where the t-shirts came in. But basically that's about it. Yeah. We, I mean, I love, I listen to a lot of sponsored shows. Most of the shows I listen to are sponsored. Um, But for, for 3028, we just basically said, we want the freedom to do whatever we want. And, and because, you know, we're both so weird about this stuff. Like we're both (laughs) really into history and Disney and it's a weird confluence. And so like, I'll wake up and I'll be like, let's do a goat show. And he's like, and then one day he and I were just talking, we were do like, we had to re-record the beginning, beginning of an episode. And he's like, do you want to do a show right now? And I said, about what? We don't have anything written. He's like, 
I don't know, pick a topic. And I was like, McDonald's in the park. And he's like, let's do it right now. I'm like, do you want me to write anything? He's like, nope, we're going to wing it. <laughs> that's so weird. I'm, sadly, that's pretty much how me and my co-host do our show is like, well, let's do uh, <laughs> on like documentaries that you should see to learn more about Disney. And then we just basically watch them and we're like, do you have stuff to say? Yep. Do you? I think so. Okay, let's go. And then usually, <laughs> usually that's how, like I said, we run a pretty 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 low rent operation over here at more mouse podcast um but yeah i don't know it's just it's we'll get into the complexities of too because um i asked matt some of the questions that i want to ask you too because some of these answers are different um well everybody's gonna have different answers my first uh question i kind of wanted to know i've heard you mention on the show that you were late uh, in getting into Disney stuff, like later in life. And I'm much the same way. I went twice when I was a kid. I went when I was very little and I don't really remember it at all. I, I, I think what I do think rem I remember is just pieced together from the pictures I've seen at my parents' house. So I don't think it's actually real <laughs> memories. <laughs> um, and then I went in high school and I am very, uh, grew up firmly middle class, which is also very privileged. And so at the time, like, my family went on vacation once a year and you know it was just like to me at the time it was like disney world oh everybody goes to disney world you know we, everybody gets to go right. at some point and going was i remember liking it but i don't you know you hear some people talk about like they went as a kid and they had to know everything about how they built and to me i just kind of like i remember liking it but well, you know it's disney world i know what disney world is and i went <laughs> i went for my honeymoon after i got married i think i was like 30 or 31 something like that and uh our my my sister-in-law was part of the disney vacation club and we didn't really make much money at the time not that we make a ton now but uh we got like she was able to hook us up and kind of help us get like she, we got her points that was her like wedding gift to us and so we got a pretty like you know uh a cheaper version of a, of a two-person uh trip and it just i don't know if i was working in a nonprofit, <laughs> but like it was the thing my brain needed from working in the nonprofit world with like victim services where like I went and it was just, it forces your brain to just like, you have to confront <laughs> It's a small world. Right. Like, right. I just, and like, for whatever reason, my brain was open to it. And that's when I came away going like, I, I have to know everything I can about all of this because it is mystifying to me about, and how did I not love this more when I was here as a kid? So what, what was the impetus behind you going later in life? And what was it that like kept you like, what was the thing that grabbed you? And yeah, I'll just, I'll leave it at that. Uh, yeah, so, so basically like you, I went, um, when I was five, my mom took me, uh, she had, uh, she had been bequeathed a bunch of money and, you know, we did the whole thing. We're like, we, we were, lower middle class um and in fact we might have been lower class um but we had we we came into this money and what you did when you were in the 80s is you went to disney world um that's what families did so we we went but i don't remember a thing about it i, I there's like two remaining pictures and i don't i don't recognize anything about it so later on this is so strange so i i became an amusement park person uh, i fell in love with roller coasters in my 20s Buddy and I, we actually like went to Cedar Point and we went to all these like oh. roller coaster places. Cedar, oh, Point Cedar Point is one and a half hour, well, a little less than one and a half hours from where I live. So we go so every awesome. year. Yeah. Oh, great. great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I went with a, um, a friend of mine and her mother, uh, her mother's company rented out Cedar Point for like an afternoon, oh. the whole park. And so we could just go on every ride. It was fantastic. The um, secret, but the so secret is if you go in like May, like second now, you know, not in pandemic times, but if you, if you were to plan a trip now, you go May, like second week of May when they're open, like May 14th, you go on a Wednesday before high schools get out, oh. uh, you, there are no lines and you will ride so many rides that your brain will be like devoid of serotonin <laughs> and <laughs> adrenaline. I, like by the, by the sixth time you're going on the Magnum, you just open your oh. mouth and like, you can't even, you just go, you can't even yell anymore. It just, yeah, it's great. <laughs> I remember being on the Magnum and a penny flew out of my pocket and <laughs> hovered in the air in front of me for a little while. It was completely nuts. But um, so I'd been into that stuff and I had um, 
a lot of things like merged at the same time. I had friends who were in land, who lived in Orlando and they're like, come down and go to Disney World. I'm like, yeah, it's not really my thing. And then Robin Hood. Um, it came out at the the most wanted edition came out in 2006 or 2005. And I was really obsessed with it. And I really wanted a hat, the, the Robin Hood hat. And a friend of mine who used to his his uh, father-in-law used to work down there. And he said, hey, I think you can get those hats when you're at Disney World. So I talked to my friends and I was like, hey, I OK, I will. I'll go with you. I'll stay at your place and we'll go to Disney and we'll look for this hat. And they took me Magic Kingdom. I looked everywhere. I went to the the hat place, the chapeau, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and not there. But as I'm looking for it, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. This is like this is like fully uh, immersive, and this is not something that like regular amusement parks have. And I started going on the rides, and I was like, wait, I think I really like this. And um, and so what happened was I got like entranced by it, um, especially Epcot. And then uh, and then I went back with with one other guy and then I went with my friend Joseph. Me, the Horizons video. And he's oh, like, yeah, he here. He, we went to Martin's vids and we're at the park. We're at All Star Sports um, because that's where we go. We're all, or maybe we were at Pop and I was like, oh, we can stay cheaply on property. That was the other thing. I didn't know I could stay cheaply on property. Yeah, and um, and so he shows me this Martin's vid on his iPad, and I'm watching it. And I'm like, wait, Epcot used to have this, <laughs> and I was like, there's a whole history of Disney that I know nothing about. So after that trip, I went to the library, I went online, I bought all these books, and I delved as deep into the history as I could, and I got all this like information, and it blew my mind that there was this whole. Disney situation that happened before my interest in Disney. And, and so 2007 is when it all started. So I went three times that year and, uh, and then, you know, the rest is history. So um, that's, I, I had heard the Robin Hood story, but I guess I did not know that that was the entire reason you went. The entire, it's the entire reason. Ah, it's so ridiculous. Are, were you a, are you a Robin Hood fan in general? Or was it just this one? Like, because to me, that was always like, I was aware of it as a kid. That was always, and I, my, my family was very uh, into the Disney movies as a kid. But like Robin Hood always seemed, I love it now. I've seen it a, a hundred times since I had kids. But that was not one I ever grew up with. It was sort of like minor you know disney to me at the time like i knew it was, was around i think i owned a clamshell of it but that was never a go-to for us i don't know so basically what that movie did was a bunch of things for me and, and mainly it was the disney thing but i also had this like small little robin hood obsession after that. and uh, i started getting to reading green arrow the comic book and okay. i bought all these like robin hood movies i saw the, the russell crow robin hood movie in the theater um, oh yeah it became and it was fine it's um right. It's all right. Uh, and then I, I got the Robin of Loxley <laughs> TV show. It was it was a very strange minor obsession. But after like that all sort of faded, the Disney stuff stayed with me. Um, I don't know why I became like really, really into this character. Uh, but then what happened was, you know, Disney took it because I was looking. <laughs> this is so silly, but I was looking for a new obsession. I had gotten into uh, comic books a while back. Um, and I had tried to get into Lego and I tried to get into other stuff and nothing was hitting me. And then Disney came into my life. And I remember my husband telling some friends of mine, like, oh, he's going to be into this for a couple of years and then it's going to fade. <laughs> and uh, that did not happen. <laughs> no, I think that's that's the that's the crazy thing is like I came back obsessed and um, I don't think my wife, I think she like she had been there since she was a kid. I hadn't been there for so long. And so when she was like. Hey, you know, we were thinking of trying to find a place to go on our honeymoon. We don't have a lot of money. My sister can get us to Disneyland or Disney World. And I was like, all right, that sounds fine. And <laughs> then I came back just like a changed human. Like my brain was rewired and, you know, it was, yeah, same thing, a library and eBay. Yep. And so were you kind of like me and the more you learned, you were just like, you know, if I'd have known that being an there was a possibility when I was like 15, my whole <laughs> life would be like different all these insane qualities i have as a person could have been put to <laughs> some kind of employment the thing is you know i am um, i tried a little uh, i'm not an engineer 
And I, uh, I'm a story guy, like I write novels. Um, but I don't know if my skills would work for Disney itself. Now that might change now that I'm into Tiki. Um, that was, the, that's the newest obsession. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but the thing is I don't get rid of my old obsessions. I just, I just pile on. Well, no. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you just collect <laughs> like tattoos. You just collect, mm-hmm. I mean, not the same way I have Disney. I have surf music. I have vinyl records overall. I just have, I've gotten better at letting go. Like I've moved a bunch of times and like, uh, you know, I have notepads and notebooks and stuff, you know, since high school, I've gotten good at like purging stuff that I absolutely don't need anymore, but I've gotten worse at hoarding new stuff that I also don't need. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I made a lot of room for it recently and I was really commending myself. And then I had a friend over recently uh, as the pandemic was ending and they came into my basement and they were like, dude, you, what's going on down here? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, <laughs> I just spent $40 on McDonald's Disney cake toppers for, like, I don't, oh, I don't boy. know. <laughs> I needed those. I needed them. I, um, I got, I got a little less into the collecting because th- when I was, oh, when I was a, a teenager, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I, I, um, I used to collect rare Stephen King books uh, and they were expensive. And what ended up, I would buy them and then I would get into a bind and I would have to sell them and I would end up selling them for less than I bought them for. Um, so it wasn't a good model for me. Um, and th- so what I decided to, I mean, I, I, I have to look at something. What I used to do when I went to Disney is I would say, okay, I I'm here. I will buy one t-shirt, one vinyl mation and one other souvenir. And I was like, that might be too much. Yeah. Um, so I, st- I stopped doing that. I really, st- the pins, I'll get like one. I used to get like 17 pins <laughs> and I don't do anything with them. I just look at them. So I don't, I don't collect as much as I used to, but I do get like once in a great while, I'll get like a, like a Funko pop that I really, really want. Um, they released a Matterhorn Yeti one. that I was like, oh, I'm obsessed with this. <laughs> uh, so I got that. And that, that's the thing, you know, so you had asked about, you know, how I prepared for everything. I used to, so after that, like, Horizons experience. Um, oh, that's my dog. I'm sorry. Let me go let me go into the other room. I'm a sure. real professional podcaster uh, with my dogs out, <laughs> around just barking. It's all right. Um, yeah, so uh, bef- uh, be- even before the Horizons thing, I, I started um, getting into the unofficial guide. So I bought Those like, are great. an unofficial guide. They're they're perfect. They and were super, they were and, really great. And are these the are these the? Do you remember who the author on those is? It was uh, Len Testa. It was the touring plans. That's right. Yes, sort of thing. So the yeah the unofficial guide. And the first time someone told me I should read the unofficial guide, and I looked at it, I was like, yeah, this isn't this isn't for me. This is a tourist thing. The covers <laughs> they, they don't sell themselves well uh, no. when you look at them, but the contents are great. Yeah, it, uh, and it was really, really funny because, you know, you're reading that. I remember for a couple of years they were giving Tusker House like one and a half stars. And I was like, this is one of the best places to eat. And apparently the food guy and the rest of the guide were like different people. And they're like, it's changed, though. They, it's it's, a, it's a, a buffet now and it has really good food. And like, no, nah, still one and a half stars. So I was like, I can I can have a differing opinion than these guides because also what was happening is the first time I went, I had these naysayers in my head saying, you don't need to go on Snow White. You don't need to go on uh, Winnie the Pooh. Those are just kids rides. You're not going to enjoy them. You don't need to go on Dumbo. And so I didn't. And I regretted it um, because yeah. I love that stuff now. Yeah. Well, you've got to do, I mean, you got to do everything once. If you're, if you're able yeah. to go back, you know, you can skip a few things the first time, but yeah, I, I think uh, someone told me, uh, you know, the, the like 2011 era figment, no. <laughs> figment stuff. Now they were probably, but <laughs> that was one of the few things I remembered from being a little kid because I loved it. And so, but I, so I'm glad I went to it just go like, oh yeah, this is, huh. What happened? What happened here? <laughs> that was yeah. another thing I needed to worry about. <laughs> um, so I, you mentioned Horizon your show uh you are uh, i don't want to uh, you know overuse this word but obsessed with horizons i think as oh, a yeah. lot of us are i mean i i i have it from my dad 
that I that I think I went on it when I was five. So at least I know that I think I sat oh. on it at some point in my life. I don't remember anything about it. I've watched uh, the video you spoke, you talked about earlier too, which is great because you can see the whole thing really. Um, but what what is there anything else that you you know having come into it kind of late? Is there anything else besides Horizons that you would you wish you could have experienced if you'd have gotten into it earlier? America sings. Um, yeah. I here's the thing is that I don't. I don't even necessarily love Americana. Well, no, I do. I, I like Americana music quite a lot. Um, but I don't know what it is about the whole. And, you know, 1770 or 1976, maybe it's because I was born around that time. And I, I only I kind of just missed it in my life because I wasn't aware when I was one one years old. So I would read my dad's old like mad magazines and everybody was talking about the bicentennial. And I really wish that I could have gone back and seen that. Plus it had all these audio animatronics that sang and it had this, it was hokey, but it was like patriotic. And, you know, you know, listen to our show, uh, Matt and I, that we are, we are patriotic idealists who are sometimes cynical about our patriotism. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> cause, cause you can't help but, yeah. um, but, uh, but the, the, the idea of patriotism, uh, American patriotism um, in its, in its, uh, I don't know, glorious concept <laughs> really, really excites me. Um, like what, what Walt Disney would, would think about patriotism uh, in a way, except without all the yucky stuff. Um, basically, that's how I think. If, if you're going to have fun animals singing Beat Me Daddy to the bar, then that's that's what I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. And I. It's hard, you know, knowing what we know about. Well, I think Walt gets a really. We don't talk about this too much. But I know he gets a bad rap. Um, I think, um, I think a lot of times things the way the Disney company used to run is taken out of context a little bit. Like yeah. how you know women were in the you know ink and paint or the the inking zone and not you know they weren't animators and all that. That's kind of of a time. I'm not saying it was okay, but it's hard to judge some of the some of the practices back then by today's standards. I guess. I right. mean, you can't judge them, but it's out of context. Uh, but it's hard not to. I felt like it's like watching the Epcot, the early Epcot um, specials, or the, the um, things he made for potential sponsors when he's describing Epcot and how. Uh, you know the <laughs> free enterprise, American free enterprise, which is sort of you know a, a loaded term these days. But it's mm -hmm. hard not to watch him talk about it and not like be inspired. Like we can do that. We could build a city that runs better. You know, I mean, it's just it. It's hard to watch that stuff and not feel oh yeah inspired that we that that you know we as a country could do something like that. I I kind of I didn't ever grow up in that kind of a an era. I kind of miss it, I guess. Okay. Every we we've all been born after Reagan. Um, right. We uh, <laughs> the idea that capitalism will save us all is is a fascinating idea. Um, and uh, well, and also I say this from the perspective of a forty year old white guy. So like you know, exactly. oh, I miss the idealism of the fifties. Well, okay, it probably would have worked out okay for me, but you know, whatever. Yeah, wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, here's the funny thing. You know, not to get too deep into the weeds, but in the the twenties and thirties, things would have worked out for me. Uh, and then the fifties came and nope, um, you know, they, they were totally fine with gay dudes in the twenties and thirties. As long as you were just like a little quiet about it and in right, the fifties, yeah. it, it went back. Um, but yeah, so, so it is interesting to hear, hear that, but you get into layers, right? So, you know, I love the idea of Epcot, the, the futuristic city, but who lives? city and who gets to be in that city you know that's yeah. another thing to think about um and and where do the poor people go is there anything like that um you know so there are a lot of different questions and and i love i i just love the idea of america sings it would not work today um i also love the idea of uh you know the um universe of energy like all the original epcot stuff and uh i don't know i'm trying to think if there's anything in magic kingdom that I would have really liked or, or early did. Oh, you know, I would have liked to have seen the original 20,000 leagues under the sea, oh, but yeah. I did see it when I was in Tokyo Disney sea. And I think it's very similar. And it was, I remember it as being extremely claustrophobic and <laughs> the effects didn't all work. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I've seen the video on that. And uh, yeah, I, that was one that like, 
again, I, I, I have a vague memory of being on it, but I also think I've just cobbled together memories from the, my parents took in like 1986 or whatever. So I don't think I have any memories of my own. I think I create pictures I saw, but um, I, so you mentioned going to, to Tokyo and have you been to all the parks or are there any you haven't been to yet? So the only one I haven't been to is Shanghai. That's what I, um, okay, I, I thought that you had not been to that one yet. Yeah. So yeah. So what is your uh, favorite, if you, if you had to pick one and I know this is a hard question, but like it is, What's if somebody was saving up and they were like, I'm because actually I'm basically asking this for myself because <laughs> I'm I got <laughs> I got little kids and it turns out they're very expensive. And yeah. uh, I've never left the country. Uh, Canada does not count, I don't think. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping at some point to be able to go. And I think I mostly want to go to Tokyo Disney Sea because it seems like the most amazing one, at least of the pictures I've seen. But if somebody was able to take one trip someday to an out-of-country park, which which one would you advise them to go to? Follow that dream. Tokyo <laughs> Disney is the best. Uh, Tokyo Disney Sea is one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. Not just Disney. Um, because everything, I mean, you go to Tokyo Disneyland, it's perfect. It's it's great. It's, it's basically a, a time capsule of what Disneyland was in 1983. <laughs> Um, but then you go to, to Tokyo Disney Sea, and it is completely immersive. Everything is based around ports. Uh, there's a there's a, a volcano that like explodes at night. There's a working like elevated train. Um, there's just so much there. There, uh, it feels like a completely uh, real place that you can get completely lost in. Um, and I I just. Like honestly, if I'm traveling overseas, that's definitely the biggest and best one. How is the what's the language like? Is there a language barrier for people? Because I mean, I guess that would be the one thing that seems like the hardest process. Like you know, you, you can't just like you know parachute into the parks. So <laughs> when you're going to, I'm assuming you don't speak Japanese, but I guess maybe I shouldn't assume that on my end. Um, no, you should assume that. Okay. <laughs> Um, so what it, I mean, is it hard scheduling a trip like that? And, you know, obviously uh, we're not, we're not advertising, uh, touring plans or anything like that, but I mean, how is it compared to like, you know, scheduling a typical, it's not like scheduling a trip to Disney world is like simple. Uh, at, no, at <laughs> no. I mean, the language barrier was never, ever an issue. Um, it was actually more of an issue going to France, huh. uh, because, if like everybody in France speaks English, but they don't like to, uh, <laughs> they're really snobby about it. Um, but in Tokyo, everybody speaks English. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah, I mean, and most of the signs are English. And in 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 the Disney parks, um, the English is often like above the the Japanese. So it's very strange. Um, and some of the rides, some of the experiences are only in Japanese, but not many. And uh, but getting there was was so easy. Like we did, I think we used a travel agent to get there, but we didn't even have to. Um, I just found it incredibly easy. I would say because I went with Turkey Lake Jeff, and he is a very experienced world traveler, so he was able to work everything out very easily. I would say if you're going the first time. Use a use a Disney uh, travel person. Use like Magic for Less Travel or touring plans or something like that, um, and, and and use something that uh, that like works for that. Because I've done that. Um, I used, I believe, I used Magic for Less when I went to Alani because I didn't know anything about how to oh, set that up. Man, I'm so, oh, you're so. I I am so envious of you. I'm sure they deserve <laughs> them. I'm not for anger on my part i'm not jealous i'm just very envious that you've been able to go to all these places yeah um, uh, it, it was not easy most of the time I, it, there's a lot of saving <laughs> up i had to do and and plus i don't have kids um and and also my husband didn't need to go with me most of the time well you know what so, if i'd have known how much i wanted to go to out of out of country parks i would have rethought the whole kids thing <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> 
<laughs> Tokyo Disney Sea is greater than my kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully this this interview will live online for the next ten years, and when my kids are have phones of their own, they'll find it. what. I can't believe that. Like, what did Dad say about us? What? Did, so you know, we mentioned um, got a little political for a second about patriotism and all that, and. One of the these two questions kind of go hand in hand. And these are two things I I asked Matt. And they are two things that I I sort of confront myself. So the first is, well, here's a good example of of my first question. Uh, I was back when I worked in an office, maybe two or three years ago. I was sitting in the break room, uh, eating my lunch by myself, reading a book about Epcot Center. And I had it kind of tilted up. And a coworker of mine came in to get coffee and he was like, oh, doing some light reading about Walt's Nazi utopia, huh? And oh, I was geez. like, yeah, I know, I know. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and like, first off, how do I even like, even if I'm willing to joke, like that's a boy, you, you went hard, buddy. I don't know how to yeah. respond to that. And so I was just kind of like, oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot there to unpack and we don't need to unpack it. But do you have people who, you know, question you about your interest in it? Uh, you know, do have you ever had that situation where like people are like, what, you like this stuff? Like, because, you know, some people view, it's like when they say, you know, something is a Mickey Mouse operation, it infers like right. cheap, or they say something's been Disney-fied. It means it doesn't have an edge and that it's lame or whatever. So, I, you know, how do you, what, do you respond to stuff like that? Are you accosted with stuff like that and what's your take on that it used to bother me a lot more um because you know i have had the the good privilege of of having uh heroes that are not problematic which is unusual for for me (laughs) especially since they're both straight white guys it's stephen king and bruce springsteen are on the whole non-problematic yeah which is mind-blowing um and so you go to someone and and they're baby boomers so there's that but you go to a, a generation before that maybe even two generations before that and there's a lot of stuff there that you sort of have to unpack and and um you have to you, you sort of have to be like okay how much of this is of the time how much isn't of the time like the whole song of the south thing people protested that back in the day like when it came out it wasn't it's not something that we've like rethought as being problematic. (laughs) It was problematic when it came out. Um, And so, you know, there's, but then you also have stuff like, you know, if if you look at the other side, the guy who played Uncle Remus, he loved being in the role and it really brought him a lot of uh, adulation uh, and, and he was so happy with it. So how do you balance that sort of thing out? And how do you balance, you know, Walt, uh, you know, really wanted all these kids to be happy and he was turning a profit while he did it. Um, you know, I, I joke on Twitter a lot. Matt, Matt tells me to get off of Twitter all the time. Uh, but you know, it's, it's like some people believe that Walt was completely blameless for ev- anything. And he just let people into his park for free. And oh, right. this, this is the small park he built for his daughters. Um, and I'm like, no, no, he was a businessman who wanted to make a lot of money. And right. he had, he had a whimsy about him. He had all this magic stuff that he he thought of, um, but he was also like sort of a taskmaster. He uh, and and he, I don't know if any of the rules about him be, or the uh, the the theories about him being anti-Semitic were true. Um, they could have been. He was also he and I were not politically aligned, um, although. Republicanism was a little bit different before a Reagan. Little, little different, and he he had some weird. <laughs> You know, there there are some there's some weirdness about uh, I think part of I mean, this is my armchair, you know, analysis. It seems like a lot of his hatred of so-called communists comes from the fact that his writers and animators were trying to unionize. um, And it was taking away from, you know, he had this idea that it was like this family business and he was giving them all this great stuff. And, you know, I built this place for you to work and it's a comfortable place to work. And, you know, if you're 20 something kid and you're not making anything and, you know, it's that's hard. I don't think I would take kindly to anybody. Be happy with what you have. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Hey, you don't make any money, but you should feel lucky to just be here. I'd be like, well, okay, old man. Thanks. Like he sounds kind mm-hmm. of like, I mean, I think he's, I, I'm fascinated by him. I've read all the biographies. I, I, on the whole, am fairly inspired by his, his willingness to take chances and basically like 
bet everything on his ideas. It also sounds like kind of the worst to, to work for ever. <laughs> Matt and I talked about this recently where um, – and there's two ways to look at this. Like uh, the way Matt looks at it uh, or or he helped me to look at it is um, Walt would, would, would look at an Imagineer and say, okay, you know – uh, I, I have this faith in you that you know um, you can expand your mind to do this other project. So I'm going to put you on that project. But there's also a part of me that's like you just said to an animator who's only ever worked in animation, go figure out how a car works and make one. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So for like not giving compliments, which. Seems right. when you when you when you hear interviews with his like you know people who knew him you know I think they were sort of, you know they they had this crazy allegiance to him although a lot of this is in retrospect obviously um, but I was just watching that documentary The Boys uh, about yeah. the Sherman Brothers and it's they thought it was so strange the last time they saw him he said keep up the good work and they're like that was weird because he never said stuff like that and I'm like right that's barely <laughs> even a compliment and like <laughs> that was so much character that struck them as like oh that's weird that he was. Slightly puzzled over it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, and and it's it's not just it's just not, not just Walt. It's like the whole situation back then, the whole field back then. It was all almost entirely white people, um, and you know they're still having trouble with the gay stuff uh, now. I mean, they have a lot of people. It uh, you know a lot of LGBTQ people in the company. But the representation is not necessarily out there. There's that whole joke about, you know, Disney's first gay character. Um, and there's been 12 of them. Um, <laughs> first gay characters. And yeah. uh, and so, you know, what you do, I think, is you have to sort of compartmentalize. And that stinks because, you know, am I going to go to something like Chick-fil-A, even though they're virulently homophobic? No. Um, but am I going to go to Disney, even though they've had these problematic issues in the past and, and they still have trouble? Kinda, I am, um, because they've, they've, there's been a long history of Disney sort of trying to work against its past and its legacy. Um, and also I know what he does and I know how hard they work to, to make things look exactly and feel exactly the way they do. Um, and so when you say something like something's Disneyfied or something is a Mickey Mouse operation, sure. I mean, you, you look at it from the outside and you say, okay, well, this isn't serious because it's, it's whimsical. But then you hear about all the work that goes into it and all the stress and all the pain and all the uh, imagination and creativity. And I'm like, no, there's there's a lot that went on here. That stuff doesn't bother me anymore. I, I was going to say, I think you started to basically answer what my follow-up question was going to be, which is that – you know, I, I think there are people out there clearly who just like, and it tends to be people who, um, I don't mean to, you know, sling some mud, but it tends to be people who want to be viewed as either uh, influencers or they're looking to just uh, have a large media following. So they will never say, it, it's kind of like there are people that will never say anything negative at all about mm -hmm. the company, what they do. And then there's those people who can't. And I think the truth, you know, if you're being honest, it's somewhere in the middle. And uh, I don't think I, it, I do have this dissonance sometimes because the most recent one I think was when they got dinged for, and I'm going to get the specifics wrong. Uh, I didn't look it up before we talked, but when um, the live action uh, remake of oh, Mulan, God. Oh, Mulan. Okay. Brain fart to edit around that. But when Mulan came out and they had thanked um, certain entities within the Chinese government for their help in filming and then people called them out for like, yeah, those same entities are like committing atrocious human rights violations. Um, it's hard, you know, stuff that I'm like, you know, I, I do this podcast regardless of, you know, what size the listenership is. Like I devote parts of my life to telling how much I like these movies and, um, you know, the stuff that helps take our mind off it. But also it's hard to like just ignore when a large international conglomerate is making those kinds of decisions. And so I was going, yeah, my follow-up question was just like, you know, as an adult who is, you know, aware of current events, um, you know, how, how you compartmentalize that. But I think you answered it pretty well. I mean, it, like the whole China thing is very interesting right now um, because, you know, you see people like John Cena uh, who says like something oh, yeah. a, little, a little bit negative about 
uh, you know, things the Chinese government are doing and they have to edit around him um, because they don't want to, you know, make make the Chinese government mad because that's where a lot of our revenue comes from. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, uh, so it is difficult. I mean, I got to tell you, I I really want to go to Shanghai Disney. I desperately want to go and I I will go when when travel uh, restrictions are lifted. But I'm also really conflicted about it. I'm like, am I do I really want to give that kind of money? To China, even though I know that they're doing these human rights violations, and um, it's 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 so difficult to make moral and ethical decisions about supporting companies because, you know, if you really look at it, and I don't want to get into a whole socialism thing here, but if you really look at at capitalism, it's not necessarily a moral or ethical construct. It never has been, um, but. That's the system we live in. So, you know, if I'm going to give my money to things I like, I, I, I kind of have to reckon with, you know, OK, I'm going to do this and it's not good. So, you know, what do I do that's good that I sort of balance it out with? Um, right. You know. Well, any company, I mean, I, I'm sitting here talking to you on the phone and. I think my pants came from Target and my shirt came from some local band who probably got the T-shirt for cheap on some wholesale website. So, like, if you were to follow these things to their their logical, you know, start, probably everything I'm currently wearing came from overseas from people that were not paid appropriately for their work. And so, like, I don't mean to say, well, you know, everybody engages in, you know, stuff like this. But, you know, at the same time, the last time I was at Disney World, uh, I was in Toy Story Land and I saw a little girl who was holding a Bo Peep doll and was like dancing it around in her lap. And then I saw Bo Peep sneak up behind her and tap her on the shoulder. And the girl turned around and like the look on the girl's face was like, I, I've never seen anything like it before. She's <laughs> just like, didn't know what her brain, like this girl's probably like three or four and her mind just stopped. Like, it, <laughs> And I, you know, I think about that stuff and I think like it's, it's, this kind of place is never going to exist again. I know Universal is, is, is coming up. I've never been there and don't have an opinion one way or the other, but like, <clears throat> there's never going to be the kind of thing that Disney World is. Yeah. And so I still, I think that's what gets me continually interested because there's never going to be a situation where a guy can buy up that much land in a state and have the <laughs> have that much power for what happens there he's it's just it, this is a situation that's never going to happen again and it makes it whether it's whether there are good things or bad things happening it still remains just a fascinatingly strange <laughs> and also sometimes completely amazing place weird like yeah i mean speaking of of weird business practices you have walt lying about the parcels of land he's buying and and just so he could like amass all this and and then florida's like okay so (laughs) what do you want he's like i want a lot of government control and i you know i want to i want to basically make my own town and they're like okay and they just let him yeah (laughs) it's it's never i mean it's just never gonna you know that's not gonna happen again so it's, it's just like it's when you go back to the history of the parks, I mean, it's also a, a strange piece of American history where this I mean, th- think of another person who is in entertainment that would have that much power and, and not only that much power, but also like who would have that much foresight to just, hey, let's buy a bunch of land so I can build a city of tomorrow. You yeah. Know? Like you and me have like billionaires paying to go into space. That's what we have. Like build me a new world's fair that's what i want yes. Build me something i can experience come on I, it, it is interesting i mean for all the problematic things that walt disney is and, and has been um you think he uh he wanted to make money but of course he also wanted to make the world a better place and make people happy and so that's at the bottom of everything is that he wanted to make people happy and you know how he got there and how he um you know kind of finagled his way into it and and you know all that other stuff that's the baseline is he really wanted everybody to be happy including himself and making other people happy made him happy so you know you you gotta you sort of take the good and the bad there um he he was i I, i'm gonna say walt disney was a fundamentally good man who did some bad things (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's probably 
if you blew my life up to like motion picture size, pro- people would probably say the same thing about me. Um, I hope about most people, I, mean, I, you know. I think. Yeah. What is on the horizon for you uh, podcast wise? Also, let me say that for anybody who's listening to this, if you do not follow Kevin on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, even though you should get off Twitter, everybody should get off Twitter. It's the worst. <laughs> I'm on Twitter and I don't post. I just lurk and it's that's enough to just ruin my day at any point when I check in. Um, but you are, I mean, uh, I look to you as like an inspiration for productivity because I think you, if I could learn to schedule my life to the second, like it's, it appears that you do, I, it's very impressive <laughs> for somebody to accomplish everything you do. You squeeze like three, six hours into a 24 hour day <laughs> and I find it, very uh very inspiring it is uh so if i look back on it i'm like like i look back on a day i'm like oh i accomplished so much but because i am who i am i'm like oh but i miss doing this one thing and <laughs> i didn't do enough so and also you know i write in the morning and i and i go to the gym in the morning um and i wake up a friend of mine and i are like we're both writers and we, we try to beat each other's word counts every day. Um, so I went from writing like 1200 words a day to now writing like 2,700 words a day because of her. And, <laughs> and she's like, well, I wrote 4,000. I'm like, oh yeah, we'll see how, how that works. And then I get home and I write more. It's a whole thing. <laughs> and, uh, but it's, it's, it is um, not to self aggrandize, but it is not easy being me <laughs> it is not you don't want to be trapped in this head um, <laughs> yeah you but know. you know it's it's I, I know people you know in the intro I, I talked about you being an author and you know somebody who plays music and does not make a living off of music um right sometimes i look at my the time i put into uh writing and practicing with other people and there's like an old uh, meme from social media that says like being a musician is piling $5,000 worth of equipment into a $500 car for a $50 gig. And that's very, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I look at that and I'm like, how do I still do this? But then like the alternative is that what, I'm not going to do it. And uh, you know, right. I'm like, unlike you and nobody's publishing my stuff, I put it all out. But I think that it's really inspiring to see somebody who this is a thing that you do and it's a part of you and you're just going to freaking do it regardless of, you know, like, if you're a writer, you're a writer. I um, you know? I've been writing ever since I was like ten, um, and you know, in high school, I won the creative writing award because I just I would skip gym to go to the writing lab and like work on my stories. Um, apparently, I wasn't supposed to do that. I I failed gym. Um, I think you but, made uh, up for lost time considering yeah, how much well, time you spend in the gym now. So. Well, now I, I yeah, it's so weird. I used to hate the gym, and now I love going to the gym. It's so weird. important component of mental health. You gotta stay. Yeah physically active um yeah, apparently you're supposed to sleep a lot too but you know i've, I've just dis- dismissed that yeah i <laughs> i'm in the same boat although i try to work at night and a lot of times like trying to write music when your eyes are closing is usually not the best recipe for success especially if you're recording <laughs> and i'll wake up the next morning and listen to like what was i doing <laughs> nothing's on beat this is horrible um so what what's next for like the podcast, uh, you know, you said you wanted to go to Shanghai when travel restrictions are, are up. Are you planning any um, United States park trips anywhere, any other, you know, theme parks or, uh, you know, experience parks? Yes. So <laughs> the 50th anniversary of Disney World is coming up and I will be there for it. I am uh, I'm going to be in Magic Kingdom on the 50th, uh, and that's going to be very October cool. 1st. I'm very excited. I'm also very nervous because so I'm going with um, I'm going with Turkey Lake Jeff. I'm going with Joseph. I'm going with our friend Robert, who lives down there. So three completely amazing, like super dedicated Disney people. And then I'm going with my husband and he'll also be there. And he likes Disney a lot. But I was going not... to ask this. I was going, I think I sent this to you as one of the, the, the ones, you know, I, I'm, I see him pop up sometimes in your timeline, but I, I get the impression he's kind of like, maybe like my wife and that they, they dig the hotels and they dig all the food, but like, yeah, I, I'll start to go, um, well, you know, this ride used to be in my wife's like, okay, 
Yeah. He does <laughs> not care. He, uh, he, he like he's an artist and he teaches art history. So he likes that component of the parks and he can get into the magic of it. Um, when, um, and he, he really, he wears Disney shirts more often than I do. Uh, cause he just <laughs> likes that the whole look of them. But, uh, yeah, he's, he, uh, he goes every other year and he loves food and wine. Um, so, so that entices him down there. And I think he's going to enjoy the 50th anniversary. We, um, we rented DVC points this time. We're going to go, we're going to stay at Saratoga Springs. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's really, really neat. We we did one time we uh there were five of us in a room at Port Orleans. Um bad idea. That was <laughs> that did not work out well. Um so now we rented a two-bedroom villa. And uh I've never stayed at Saratoga Springs before. You get you can walk over to Disney Springs. And so we're actually gonna have a a, a resort day, which I never get to do. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, we're going we're going to all this other stuff. Sean hasn't been in like three years at this point because of the pandemic. So we're letting him pick a lot of the restaurants. So we're just going to have a really good time. Um, so so that's the big one coming up. I'm going again to Disney World in January with just Joser. Um, and hopefully more things will be open because I don't know if Trader Sam's Grog Grotto is going to be open when I'm there. And. I'm just going to keep going back until it opens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very unclear. And I haven't, I, I don't stay up to speed on some of the news like I wish I did. And I, I'm going in April um, of 2022. And I'm, you know, it remains to be seen what'll be open and what'll be finished. And um, yeah, I don't, last time I went to Epcot, which was a year ago, it was all boxed up and like a very strange experience in the pandemic. And um, well, I thank you so much for coming on the show and having a very wide-ranging discussion because um, <laughs> that's how we do it here. We just we just yeah. go we just go off, and I appreciate it. And uh, again, if if anybody's listening, you haven't listened to the thirty twenty-eight. If there's any other podcasts or things you want to plug, I'll make sure to post a link, uh, Amazon link to all the stuff available from you as a writer, and. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, like I, I am so it's such a great show to listen to because it is not all positive. It's by no means all negative. Although one of my absolute favorite complete breakdown of uh, <laughs> the Hollywood studios. Um, what's the, Oh, uh, <laughs> the limousine ride. Oh, <laughs> superstar limo. <laughs> superstar limo. Hearing. I mean, I, I was aware of it, but hearing just the, of it is one of the best episodes I've ever heard that you guys do. So it's just, I appreciate your show a ton. And uh, so thank you for doing it. Appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on. Uh, the, it, it's been so much fun. I love talking about the stuff. Um, and I love talking about Disney. I love talking to you. You're you're really awesome to talk to. And uh, and doing the podcast is great. Um, and uh, so, uh, yeah, I would say everybody, listen, we're coming up on our 200th episode uh, where we're going to do a very deep dive into the history of one of my favorite attractions. Uh, we'll get there. But we have uh, we have some really interesting shows planned until that. Uh you may have heard about the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. We have an episode about that coming up. Yeah, so. yes, I, I'm very anything you guys have done about Pleasure Island and uh, it, that stuff's great. And uh, at some point, you mentioned Cedar Point earlier, and mm -hmm. although we never talk about Cedar Point on this show, I will straight up devote a full two hours. We can break down the they are trying to import a storyline into Cedar Point with like these steampunk cowboys um, as part of, the, you know, they redid the mean streak and turned it into, um, what are they, Steel Vengeance? Um, and it's a, oh, that's their boy. newest coaster. It's great. But when you go, they have all these new characters with really, really complicated backstories. So you like walk past and there's a picture of like a, cowboy with like a robotic arm with like nine paragraphs of text and all of his familial connections that he's been double crossed by and it's wild it's not done well but it's very interesting what they're I trying to accomplish there big. this is amazing oh, it's, it's not I'll, I'll find it online and send you some screenshots it's it's nuts yeah eventually we're going to be i mean uh once a year we do a show about 
um about like a a bad Disney attraction because we're generally positive and once a year we do the bad one. Uh, and then once a year we also do a show. Uh, our April Fool's show is always about another park. Oh, uh, well, um, you got to Okay, I will arm you with everything you need to know about the Steel Vengeance crew. Oh, yeah. I'm very intrigued. To be, uh, you know, I love Cedar Point. I think Cedar Point's going to be our next one. We are also at some point going to be talking about Nara Disneyland, um, <laughs> which <laughs> Nara Dreamland Park. Uh, oh. Yeah. love it i love this stuff well again thank you and everybody go listen to the show and just promise you'll come on eventually to talk about i'll I'll have a more structured topic for you next time but it's been really cool to hear uh, about how you got into this stuff so thank you well folks there you have it uh my discussion with kevin quigley great guy great podcast go listen to it 3028 uh marvel at how well that show is put together and then come back here and marvel at how lazy i am uh i want to thank kevin for being on the show uh michael will be back the next episode and we will supposedly finally be be getting into our long promised miniseries on disney documentaries starting with the boys about the sherman brothers so go watch that on disney plus before you listen to the episode or not. I mean, hey, do do whatever you want to do. Uh, did you hear my dogs in there? Teddy and Dolly running around. Good. Add, I think it added some uh, some some much needed place to the story. Uh, all right, everybody. Thank you so much. If you want to email the show, it's uh, addmoremouse at gmail.com. Please tell your friends to listen. We make no money off this podcast, but we you know get a little happy when we see a little little uh ratings boost if a episode starts to gain some traction it's just a little you know it's fun um and i hope you liked it uh here's hoping that uh we helped you add a little more mouse to your gym experience your lunch your breakfast uh car trip wherever you're listening to this and uh right here is where michael would say goodbye in a weird language i didn't say weird language all languages are weird equally weird I'm really tired, and I'm going to go to bed now. Bye, everybody.